All right, well, let's stand up and worship together. Come on. Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Unveil why we're made. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope like wildfire in our very souls. Holy Spirit, come and feed us now. We are your church. We need your power in us. Yeah. We seek your kingdom first. Come on. We hunger and we thirst. We refuse to waste our lives for your our joy. Streets and let set your church. 
Good morning, good morning. You guys may have a seat. Ah, it's nice to see you all. Good morning, live stream friends. We're happy you've joined us online. It is a great day to worship Jesus together. So my name is Julianne, and I get to work here doing our outreach and missions. I, I say it every time. It's the best job ever. I love what I get to do here and just love being part of this community. So a couple pieces of information is that we keep our sermon notes uh, on the tables as you come in. There's a whole bunch of information about upcoming events, so we hope you had an opportunity to grab those. But also on our Westgate Chapel app, we have the sermon notes for each week that you can fill in. And also if you hit the share button, it even fills in the answers for you. You can get the answers. So check out our app. Everything is available online as well. And so that is our sermon notes. And then in the front of the pew, we have our connect card, again, also available to be filled out online or through the app. But we um, would love to hear how we can be praying for you if you have any questions for the church. Uh, it's just a way for us to stay connected as a church family, hence the name connect card. And at the end of service, you can drop those in the back. We have buckets as well as if you are a guest, we would love to meet you. We'd love for you to take your card to our guest center in the main lobby where we have a small gift and just somebody ready to answer any questions, pray with you, show you around, whatever you're looking for. We would love to get to know you. So that's our connect card. So a little bit about Westgate Chapel. We, are uh, all about growing in Jesus, growing in community. And so we have this, this mission, mission statement. You'll hear it often. We want to grow with Jesus. We want to engage in community with one another. And then we want to reach our neighbors and the nations. And so I get to share about a cool event coming up in just two weeks. Something I love every year is our missions emphasis week. And we have... Um, just a special time set apart to really focus on this thing that is part of our DNA. It's who we are. We are all about sending international workers, welcoming international people, uh, giving, praying, all these things that are part of what we do in our year-round rhythm. We take a week to just really have fun together as a church around missions. So you guys, we all have our preconceived notions of what missions is about. You guys might think of you know, we're still going to try our parade of flags. There's lots of food involved, multi-generational. We do this thing as a church. It's not just for one person or a couple people. This is for all of us. Um, and then there's just this engaging with God, asking God, what do you want us to learn? What's our next step? How can we apply what you're doing around the world? And so another fun thing is that we are part of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Have you guys heard of that? Yes. Yeah, so that's our denomination. Hopefully you've heard of it if you've been around for a while. And we um, are doing this thing together. So it started in America, and we uh, have this American Christian Missionary Alliance, but there's a global Christian Missionary Alliance. And we are going to highlight some of what God's doing through our brothers and sisters, through our people that have been sent from Westgate. And every year, there's a theme. So the vision for the whole denomination is all of Jesus for all the world. So that's what we're going to be calling our week-long event. But we also have a theme for this year that Ben and Sarah from Germany will be really digging into with us, and it's called Be Present. And so our alliance president has made a video launching what the Be Present theme is all about. So check it out. Mission's emphasis is a time of year when we clearly focus on that which is so near to the heart of God. We know that it's near to the heart of God because he himself lived this out. Be Present is the theme. Our great God didn't just send us salvation from a distance, but it required him to become one of us. And so we live this out, longing to be present in our communities, our schools, our workplaces. For some of us, it means leaving our locations and going to faraway places where the gospel has still not been taken. 
But for all of us, it requires an obedient response to the call of God that has come upon our lives to be present, fully present, wherever he's placed us. The mission of God is fulfilled through us as we live out what it means to be present, just as Christ was, bringing us the gospel for the first time. So we are present, often bringing the gospel for the first time to those around us. Let's engage because the world needs to hear and we get to be part of it. those images of our alliance people, our American scent workers, those are the places where they serve. So we will get updates from around the world. We'll get updates from our partners that we sent from Westgate. And we'll get to hear what God's doing and how we can be involved. And so that is the first through ninth. There's a brochure and also, again, available online. It's an app. It's on the app where you can see the special events. And again, we would love for you to look at your calendars. It's two weeks from now starting. And just figure out with your life group, your friends, your family, who can we, where are we going to engage this week? Um, we're not all going on a missions trip this year, but we can engage in God's heart for all people and how this is set apart for that. So we're praying that God will just speak to us through this week. There's a couple events I want you guys to really notice. That first Sunday we're going to have, it's October 2nd, we're going to have a big um, time of worship here together. We'll be focusing on Germany, but also we'll have our parade of flags that morning. And then we're going to turn the cafe into a Tortenhus. I don't speak German, but a cake house. We're going to kind of have a German cake party where we will hang out and connect with one another and Ben and Sarah. So if you want to carry a flag or uh, donate a cake that morning, that would be awesome. We have signups online and in the cafe. And then also that Wednesday night is our church-wide celebration event. So we will be having each one of you, everybody's invited. This isn't for a certain group. It's for all of us to come. It will be based around praying and having fun all ages at Westgate Chapel. And we'll have a giant charcuterie board and then a time together and then break into groups and learn and experience. So it'll be experiential. It should be fun for every age. So those are a couple of the events. But as you'll see in the brochure, there's so many things going on. So we just pray that you'll take this flyer, follow the app, and see what you can be a part of. So that's Missions Emphasis Week. We're really excited. If you want to talk to me, as I said, I'll be out in the cafe or you can email me, sign up online, and we're excited to see what God's going to do. So with that... We have time for our meet and greet this morning. As we said, we, uh, we believe in engaging with community is important, a vital part of us as the church. And so this morning, we're going to take a couple minutes to stand up and talk to somebody maybe you've never met before and ask what the highlight of their week is, what's been going on. And that's a chance for us to get to know people. Not everybody loves this. You have the freedom to just stay in your seat. It's okay. We understand. If, keep your distance, but we'd love to invite you to just take a few minutes to go meet somebody.
please join us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time this morning that we can come and gather together and we can worship you. I pray that you would just open our hearts to listen to what you have to say to us this morning. Help us to be receptive to that and know what you would like us to do. Please be with us during this worship time and during the message to follow. In your name, amen.
worship we're going to be taking our offering together um, and I really want to encourage you if you're a guest here this morning feel free to let the back uh, the bucket pass by uh, there's uh, no need there is no compulsion to give uh, but again giving is an act of worship for us as followers of Jesus Christ as a way to just continue to uh, express our own submission of ourselves and all that we have to the Lord. And so as we do this this morning, as a reminder, we just started doing uh, offering again in our services last week. And so we have buckets that are lining the middle row seats right here. If you look to your side, and then we're going to ask that if you are sitting here in the middle, that you would take that bucket and just pass it all the way out. We have ushers that'll come down and help it cross the aisle. And then in the balcony, we have them on the sides up at the top, and we're going to pass them in. And so during this time, uh, we just want to take our uh, offering and really have it be a time of worship for us. Would you pray with me? Father, again, thank you for our time to worship you this morning in this way. Thank you that you have given us this place where we can pour out all of our hearts to you. And Father, truly show you that our hearts are, are submitted to you. We love you with all that we are. In Jesus' name, amen. You may begin passing the buckets. All the poor and powerless And all the lost and lonely will come confess we'll know that you are holy and know that you are holy and oh sing out hallelujah and
this up. Oh, shout it. Go on and scream it from the mouth. That's right. Yes. Go on and tell it to the times your voice is singing out. God, that is our declaration. We know who you are. We know you are sovereign. And Father, may these shouts of praise echo beyond these walls so that this lost and broken world would know too. The world may know. God, unite us 
unite us under, under your umbrella, Father. We are one church. May everything we do seek to bring others to you, Father. In your holy and precious and wondrous name that all God's people pray. Well, good morning, church. How are you today? Good, good. It is so good to be here uh, and again worshiping together this morning. If you don't know me, my name is Rob Zerman, lead pastor here at Westgate, and uh, I'm just really excited. We have so many great things that uh, have been happening around the church and that are happening in these uh, coming weeks as we kick into our fall season of ministry. We had an awesome kickoff of our student ministries this past week. Uh, over 80 high school students showed up on Monday night and 50 middle school students, uh, which is huge numbers that showed up. We're super excited. Uh, just by the way, our student ministry is really reaching uh, students in our community, and so we're, we're pumped about what God is doing there. Uh, I'm excited as well because this coming week, our uh, Wednesday night kids ministry is going to be kicking off for children, and if you have not signed your kids up yet, please be sure to do so. We've got an awesome year that is planned for them as they go through the Awana Essentials curriculum, continue to learn to store God's Word in their heart. Uh, I think we've got close to, if not over, 100 kids that are registered already, which is a good sign because I know how many of you wait till the last second or people just walk in on the day off. So like really excited and uh, excited about just the incredible reach that we're going to have with young people. You know what else I'm really excited about? Last week, we spent some time talking about life groups together. We had over 50 people join life groups last week. I was super pumped about that. Yeah, very exciting. You may be one of those 50 and we had a whole nother set of people that are still looking to engage but couldn't necessarily engage with the groups that were there. And uh, within that group, I think a couple of people that stepped up and said, I would love to be a life group leader. And so I love it because this is the heart of community and connection that we believe is going to drive us as a church, not only into greater fellowship with each other, but greater commitment and fellowship with God. And so I hope you're excited. There are so many good things that are happening. Last Sunday, we kicked off our five-year uh, kind of vision initiative together as a church. This is a series that we're going through entitled Deep Roots and Broad Reach. And uh, as we dove into it last week, uh, I gave you this kind of description of our five-year vision initiative. You'll see it in your notes. If you have your sermon notes, I'd encourage you to pull those out and you can follow along with me this morning. But so that we're all on the same page, especially if you're new here with us this morning, Deep Roots, Broad Reach is a five-year strategic vision initiative that is designed to drive us toward being a Jesus-centered community that is known for intentionally sharing God's love with our neighbors and the nations. That is a mouthful. But what I hope you catch is that wrapped within this five-year vision is the vision statement we have for our church that we desire to be a Jesus-centered community, that we are centered on God, we are centered on his word, that we are growing together, and that we are known for intentionally, being intentional in how each of us goes out and shares God's love with our neighbors and the nations. And last week we began this by talking about the idea of having deep roots. We uh, jumped into God's word together and looked at what it means to be rooted in Christ. And we began by saying this, that deep roots are a symbol of health, of strength, of stability, 
and of presence. When we think of a tree, right, the very thing that gives a tree life is how healthy its root system is and how that healthy root system is what provides the health, strength, and stability it needs to flourish. And uh, we talked last week about the need that we have as followers of Jesus Christ, especially in his church, to be deeply rooted in Christ. And we talked about the way that we do that is by not only coming here on Sundays and being people who are abiding in Christ, but also by utilizing one of the very most important ways that he has given us to grow in relationship with him, which is by engaging in community with one another. Christ designed the church. God designed the church specifically for us to be a place where we would find mutual encouragement and strength and accountability so that we can grow deeper in him. And so last week, as we began to cast this vision of being a church that has deep roots, we said that we want to be a church of life groups. And the goal that we put out there is that in five years, we would love to see 80% of our congregation engaging in a life group, small group here within this church where not only are they known by others, but they are being challenged and encouraged to grow deeper in their relationship with Christ. As well, we want to be a church that is actively serving and using our gifts because we also see that serving is a great way for us to find community, but then also to allow God to use us to encourage and grow uh, others in their faith in the Lord. And we would love to see 80% of our church engaged in serving and using their gifts, whether that's on a weekly basis or maybe at four or five different times throughout the year where we are saying, based on my circumstances and, and how God is ordering my life, I am serving him with all that I have. So we desire to be a church of deep roots, rooted in Christ, rooted in Christ with each other. But the second part of that that we're going to tackle this morning is that we not only want to have deep roots, but we also want to have a broad reach. And as you think of that tree analogy, I want you to think of it in these terms, that a strong and a healthy tree produces a canopy of leaves that is far-reaching in its ability to impact the lives of all who would draw near. A strong, healthy tree produces a canopy of leaves that is far-reaching in its ability to impact the lives of all who would draw near. When a root system of a tree is sunk deep, it is healthy, it is then that its reach of its leaves, of its branches can then grow and have a broad reach. And that is a picture of the type of reach that we would love to have as God's church. Uh, I use this analogy because uh, over, the, over the last few years, uh, Rochelle and I have some very personal experience with trying to get a tree to grow and be healthy, specifically in our very backyard. Um, a number of years ago when Gracie was born, we planted some birch trees, uh, river birch trees in our backyard, and uh, you'll see a picture up here in happier days uh, where this tree was, yeah, I know, I can kill anything. Um, so uh, a beautiful tree, it's, you know, it was growing, it, it started really small, and this is when it had already started to grow up, but one of the issues we ran into was where we planted it a little bit closer to the house, um, we wanted to expand our patio. But in order to do that, we were going to have to move this tree. So the option was uh, dig the tree out, kill it, throw it away. That hurt because you know how much trees cost. Or take it and somehow try to move it in the yard. So we chose option B. Let's move a tree. I mean, that sounds really easy. So easy that they actually make trucks that can do this for you. Check this picture out. This is not our backyard, but a very similar truck rolled into my backyard, tore up my entire grass. But came in with this massive spade, dug down in the ground, pulled a huge dirt plug out, set it down, and then it went over and found the tree, did the same thing. 
picked up the tree and lifted it out of the ground like you would see right here. And then the workers went around, and you can imagine all of the roots that were kind of sticking out of the different parts of this large spade that went into the ground. And so they're cutting off the roots to make sure that it'll fit into this plug in the ground. Uh, and then they took and they set it down and they placed it in place. And at first, it was like, oh, look, this is actually going to work. You know, after the, when the next spring came, the tree started uh, growing leaves again. It was looking beautiful. But then after maybe four to six weeks, this is a picture of what we had. Now, I know you can't see it because there's really no leaves on it at all. Like, they started to yellow very quickly, fall to the ground. Like, I'm sitting there going, this thing is supposed to be beautiful. I think we've actually killed the tree by moving it. And what I do know from doing a lot of study is that when you make a move like this, you can kill a tree. You send its root system into shock. It's got to regrow its roots into the ground. And so we really wrestled with, do we just let it go? Do we read it its last rites? You know, find some more dirt to throw in the ground. What we decided to do, though, was to give it an abundance of water. We found, like, some mineral things that we could tap into the uh, drip line of the tree all the way around it, some minerals to go into the ground, try to get this thing going. And after, uh, well, gosh, what was it, two, three years now, just this summer, it, you'll see this next picture. And I picked this one because of the beautiful rainbow over our tree. <laughs> <laughs> it is still alive. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, but we've cut back some of the dead branches and it is beginning to grow again. New shoots that are coming off in different directions. As the root system began to settle, grow into the ground, get everything that it needed, once again, it began to flourish. And its branches, it's growing taller. It's getting broader. The leaves are flowering and growing again. And this is the picture of what we are talking about when we talk about deep roots and broad reach. That when we are rooted in Christ, that the natural outflow of that should be a broad, healthy reach of the gospel. If I could paint a picture of Westgate Chapel's 114-year history for you, it would be a beautiful tapestry of people who have been unified together with a desire to have a broad reach in this community throughout the world. We shared some of this during the Unfinished Initiative, but early in our church's history, pastors often only lasted maybe a year or so in their ministry, not because they were getting in trouble or people didn't like them, but because there were new works that were constantly being started and they were being sent out, whether that was to plant churches or to go to different parts of the world where the gospel had not been sent, Westgate Chapel has had woven into its DNA by God to be a church that sends out workers into the mission field, out into the harvest to go and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We've planted numerous churches here in the greater Toledo area. We have been involved over many, over the 114 years of consistently training up and sending future missionaries and future pastors out to share the good news of Jesus. We've raised millions of dollars for the Great Commission Fund of the Christian Missionary Alliance to make sure that the gospel reaches the corners of the earth, even to the places where it is unsafe to share the gospel, we go because we believe that all men need the opportunity to know Jesus Christ. Yet, in still having this incredibly rich history, I can look back in the history of Westgate Chapel, like many churches, and see that there's also been a time in our history where the church turned inward rather than outward. There was a time where the most important thing was the number of people that were in the room and the amount of money that was in the bank account. Programs were valued over people and reaching lost people. It's not that we would have said we weren't a mission-sending church. It's not that we didn't do good things, but you could see that there was a time where the church had turned inward. And this is one of the great dangers for any church, if you think about it. 
And it's ultimately what leads to the death of most churches, is when the people who make up that church lose their missional focus on reaching lost people, when they value more what the church can do for them than the mission that God has called them to, to reach people that don't know him. And so this morning, as we talk about the call that God is giving us as a church, not just for five years, but I believe for the history and life of this church, however God, long God chooses to use it until he returns again, I want to say to you that he desires for us to have a broad reach. And I've thought deeply over the past couple of weeks about how to preach this message. Like, do I get up and share the Great Commission with you and just remind you this is what God has told us to do? Do I pick any number of passages that we're super familiar with and say, hey guys, just remember God has called you to do this. No. The one place that God has centered my heart as I prepared for this message is that we don't just need to have a refresher on what we already know. Right? You all know you're supposed to share the gospel, right? Nod your head. Good. Oh, I might have to change my message on a dime. Okay. <laughs> it could happen. We don't need to know more. What I actually believe is that our hearts need to be engaged more. And that is what God is teaching me. God has been saying to me for years in this church is that we develop our hearts for him and he will do the rest of the work. So this morning, we're going to take a look together at a passage that speaks directly to this. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 15, verses 8 through 10. Luke chapter 15, verses 8 through 10. I'm going to be using the NIV this morning. I know I'm switching it up from the ESV normally. Uh, it'll be on the screen here for you to follow along with as well. But Luke chapter 15, verses 8 through 10 is a parable that Jesus tells about the heart for reaching lost people. It's sandwiched between two other parables that Jesus tells, but I think this one has a very striking importance for us this morning. It's a short one, but take a look at it with me. It is the parable of the lost coin. Here's what it says. Suppose that a woman has 10 silver coins and she loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This morning, what I want us to do first as we look at this parable together is to understand what I believe is the first purpose of the parable of the lost coin. And this is what it is. Fill it in. That the purpose of this parable is to reveal God's heart for lost people. Primarily, it is to reveal God's heart for lost people. Now, uh, in order to kind of illustrate the importance and value of this, how many of you have ever watched Oprah in the past? Now, I got the same response for service. It's kind of like asking people in church if they watch The Bachelor, right? Nobody wants to raise their hand. So, so how many of you have ever at least heard of Oprah Winfrey? Raise your hand. Okay, good. See? See? Good. Now you're safe. Um, how many people ever 
uh, watched or heard of the show that she did for a number of years around Christmas time called Oprah's Favorite Things. Anybody here? Okay, right? That was like the thing that everybody loved. It was like Oprah's Favorite Thing was her Christmas special where she would surprise everybody in her audience by giving them incredibly valuable gifts. Like literally, uh, she would come out and she would have like, you know, her favorite clothing, her favorite purses. Guys often got left out of this, by the way. But yeah, they, they would get like diamond earrings. Uh, oftentimes there would be a car and she would literally give it to every single person sitting in the audience. Incredible value. Well, uh, I want you to watch this video. I'll give you a little bit of a hint of what that show was like. Today is your lucky day. First, I want to talk about one of the best ways I believe that we can prepare for giving, and that is meditation. So how about we meditate? That I would do the same thing. Today is Rob's really radical giveaway. Cue the music, please. Everybody, we've got a gift for you. Can you get excited, huh? I don't know if you know this, but my worship team members are coming out right now with a special gift for you. All of you today are going to receive a shiny or tarnished penny. Yeah. No, come on. Get excited. Yeah. Woo. I mean, guys, this is incredible. I've got one for you and you and you and you, right? All right. Cut the music. It's, it's a little lackluster, isn't it? I mean, aren't you excited? Huh? I mean, how often do you get a gift in church? Every single person, right? All right. Well, while they keep passing those out, let me ask you this question. Why does it not seem to carry the same excitement that I'm giving you this beautiful little penny as compared to what Oprah was giving her, her people? I almost said her congregation. That's weird. <laughs> Maybe it's kind of true. I don't know. Anyway. Why is it a letdown for me to hand this to you this morning? Well, very simple reason. At least to appearance, this coin does not have a whole lot of value, at least in our minds when compared to the cars and the diamond earrings and the refrigerators and all of that that Oprah was giving away. But here's what I want you to see. When we hold this coin and we think about this illustration, it also seasons how we understand the significance of this parable. You see, oftentimes when we read the parable of the lost coin, we lose the incredible significance of the passage because we think, okay, here's a lady who lost a coin. And in our culture today, a coin doesn't mean much, right? A coin doesn't get you very far, whether it's a penny, nickel, dime, quarter, half dollar, right? It's not going to get you very far. And so at times our heart has a hard time connecting to what this passage is really about. But I want to take you there this morning to understand the significance of the coin in this passage. Letter A. The lost coin represents the loss of something with great value. As Jesus tells this parable, he tells it in such a way to communicate 
that this woman has lost something of significant and of immense value. In verse 8a, it says this, that the lost coin, uh, it says, suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. The coins uh, that are referenced here were likely considered to be her savings or even a dowry. Uh, It was significant for her life. Uh, The coin itself was likely what is called a drachma. A drachma would have been considered uh, much like uh, its its other counterpart, the Roman denarius. It would have been considered one day's wages. In other words, it was highly valuable. The loss of the coin would have been a very big deal to this woman in the parable. A very big deal. It wasn't like losing a little bit of expendable money that you wanted to use to go buy some special thing for yourself in the store. It actually signified losing the thing that would enable her to live life. It was important and it had incredible value. In our own culture today, we read this and we read about a coin. It's very easy to pass by and be like, okay, that's interesting. It's easy to lose that what Jesus is saying is that this woman has lost something that holds incredible value. It reminds me of when I was in Cambodia a number of years ago. It was a traffic thing that happened when we were out on the beach. One of the Cambodian students came up and just looked incredibly uh, heartbroken. He was incredibly distraught, crying profusely. It was very hard to understand what he was saying. But all we could tell was that all he kept doing was looking everywhere through the sand, shuffling where we had been playing soccer together. And what eventually came about was that he had lost his paycheck for the month somewhere on the speech. Now, we, he, he was in a panic because this was his literal lifeline. And I remember that as we were talking with him, one of my students was like, well, well how, much, how much is it? Like, how much is it worth? And he said, $50. You should have seen the look on my students' faces as they felt in their back pockets the $300 of uh, dispendable money that they had to go buy trinkets and goods to take home from this mission trip. $50 was a month's wages for him. And it held significant value for his life. This is the picture that Jesus is giving us as he tells this parable. This coin held significant value for this woman. So much value, let her be, that it says the value of the lost coin was so high that the woman literally rearranges all other priorities until the coin can be found. She literally, the value is so high, she rearranges all of her priorities until it can be found. Verse 8, again, the second part of it says this. It says, doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully for it until she finds it? I think about what a house in those days would have looked like. Oftentimes, they were made of stone or mud brick. Uh, there were no windows, and so it was a very dark dwelling, difficult to often see in them. Uh, the floors themselves likely were not made of stone, but made of earthen material, the earth. And so it would be very easy for a coin of that nature to hit the ground, be smashed into the ground, even to be buried into the ground. And so this woman painstakingly goes through her house that is dimly lit, hard to see, searching everywhere that she can in order to find this coin because of the incredible value that it held. And when it, the Greek word that is used here, when it talks about how she searches carefully, the word carefully means a painstaking search. It's not a ho-hum, you know, I hope it turns up eventually kind of attitude, but a life and death, I must find this thing. It is so important. I can remember uh, uh, a few years ago that my son Garrett, by the way, who turns 18 today, if you see him, tell him happy birthday. I have an adult in my house. Uh, another one, I mean. Um, 
Well, him and my wife, we don't know about me, but anyway, squirrel. Um, so, so uh, Garrett, we were out uh, at a baseball tournament with him, and he had some of those AirPods that, you know, we had bought him. They were very, very expensive, and he loved using them to listen to music. He had them in his baseball bag, but apparently somewhere between moving his bag from the outfield fence over into the dugout, he didn't realize that they fell out somewhere, and so he had lost them, and he didn't realize it until the end of the game when we were getting into the car ready to go, and he's like, where are they, right? They're so expensive, so valuable. We literally rearranged, you know, we were supposed to go to dinner. We were trying to get home. It was a Saturday night. I had to preach the next morning. But everything was being rearranged to find these incredibly expensive AirPods. I can remember he pulled out his phone. He's like, uh, okay, I can see on my phone that they're still here somewhere out in the field. So we went searching out in the field, along the fence lines, looking out in the parking lot, even at one point thinking to ourselves, maybe somebody stole them and put them in their car. So like Garrett's like looking inside of cars, like can I find, find these things? You know, and eventually, uh, long story short, after about an hour and a half, two hours of searching, uh, eventually leaving. We continued to search, continued to use this phone, make phone calls. We ended up finding them. But the picture that is given here is that the value of this coin is so high that the woman literally rearranges everything. There is nothing else that is more important. All other priorities are set aside in order to find this valuable coin. And letter C, it tells us that the valuable coin is so valuable that it is even cause for celebration among the woman's friends when she finds it. Look at verse 9 together with me. It says, and when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, for I have found my lost coin. She's incredibly excited at the, at the fact that she found this thing that had such significance and value to her. And I hope that what you see is being painted for you within this very simple parable by Jesus is a couple of things. Primarily and most importantly, you have incredible value to God. You were that lost coin. And people in this world that don't know Jesus are that lost coin. And what Jesus is portraying is the incredible value that we have to him. And think about how amazing this is. That we as sinners, God's creation, who have sinned against him, that he would love us so much that we, even though we were sinners, that the Bible tells us that Christ would die for us. That is how much value you have towards God. You have great value to God. And what we also see is that he has arranged all of history to provide a way of salvation for you and for all people who do not know his son. And he did it by giving his very son. By God himself becoming a man, entering into this world to come and at the hands of his creation to be put to death on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin so that we could be reconciled. You know, it's so incredible because I think that God who's in control of all things and all powerful when we rebelled against him, he could have just wiped the whole thing away and been like, meh, meaningless, I'll just start over. But he didn't because you are valuable to him because he loves you that much. Even while today we continue, whether you're a Christian and you continue to sin against him or if you don't know Christ and you continue to reject him, he continues to show how valuable you are by extending the gift of his grace and his love to you. The first purpose of the parable of the lost coin is to reveal God's heart for lost people. You are valuable to God. 
so valuable that he would arrange all of history to provide a way of salvation for you rather than just starting over. Purpose number two within this parable that I think is just as important is that it reveals the gap that existed between the heart of God and the heart of the religious leaders. Verse 10 says this, in the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. Such a powerful picture in just a small sentence. Like it literally tells us that when someone, one person comes to faith in Jesus Christ, that all of the heavenly hosts together rejoice and celebrate that. Think of the number of people over the, the years and centuries of history where people have come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine the parties and the celebration of heaven when you yourself came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Like there is this incredible thing because it's that valuable and the heavenly host itself acknowledges it. But what is done with this is what we read about how everyone celebrates in the heavenlies. We see at the very beginning of this chapter a very clear gap in how the religious leaders viewed this. Letter A, the religious leaders, for the religious leaders, it was explicitly clear that sinners had no value. In verse 1 of chapter 15, it says this, tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. For them, they wanted nothing to do with lost people. They didn't see them as valuable. All they cared about was what was in it for them. And what Jesus shows with this parable as he tells it is the great disparity at times that exists between God's heart for lost people and his church's heart for lost people. My friends, I hope you catch this this morning because we all know that the call God has placed on us is to go and to share the good news of his son that we ourselves has received. But oftentimes we lack the heart of God to drive us to actually fulfill what we are supposed to do. I wanna ask you this question this morning, letter B. When we think about this, what do our own actions today reveal about the value that we place on lost people. Are we equally as passionate as God is about reaching people that don't know Jesus? Have we allowed our hearts to be shaped and formed by his heart? I want you to think about it because oftentimes we might say with our mouths that it's important, but our actions might speak something completely different. Our actions might actually reveal that it holds about as much value as this penny does to us when we handed them out this morning. It's good, it's important, it serves a purpose, but I don't know how valuable it is to me. Because if it had greater value, maybe, just maybe, I would be more passionate. The next question is very simple. Does our heart for lost people match the very heart of God? And as we go through this five-year vision together, as I have mentioned, that I believe that the thing that God is calling us to is to be a people that are so deeply connected to him that our heart bleeds for the things that God's heart bled for. Reaching people who don't know Jesus Christ. 
I want us to talk this morning for just a little bit as we close about how Westgate Chapel will emphasize over these next five years together and encourage the growth of having a broad reach of the gospel. And as we look at this together, I want you to understand letter A, that the first and most important thing is this, is that when we grow deep roots into our relationship with God and with others, the natural outflow will be a broad reach to our neighbors and the nations. I hope you see within this vision of deep roots and broad reach, the cyclical nature and importance of both of these things. If we're going to have a broad reach, it's not just because we have knowledge and feel like we have this great responsibility that we need to follow through on. The way that it actually gets accomplished is when we sink our roots into the very heart of Christ that we are so sunk down into him, growing in him, growing together as a community, that we are actually developing his heart for lost people to the point that when we experience people in our own spaces, in our own circles, and in the community that surrounds us, and when we think about reaching people overseas that don't need Jesus, our hearts can't help but ask the question, God, how do you desire for me to be a part of this? Because you have given me a role to play and to be in this mission with you. And so let her be what we desire together as a church is that God would give us a heart for, number one, reaching our personal neighbors. Now, this isn't new news to you. We've been talking about this quite a bit together over the last few years, but it is a major emphasis that we believe God has given us as a church. What do we mean when we say reaching our personal neighbors? What we're talking about is those people that God has placed in our personal circles, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our schools in our places of work, in our social places where we gather with other people, maybe at sporting events, whatever it may be, or even when you're sitting on an airplane next to somebody who doesn't know Jesus or you meet them in the store, what we understand is that God is bringing people into our lives that he desires for us to share the goodness of his son that we have received with them. Whenever and wherever God brings people that don't know Jesus into our lives, we as a church, we as individuals want to value them so much that we make it our highest priority to share the love of Jesus with them, that nothing else is more important to us. And I want to ask you this question, who are those people in your life? Think about who are the people that God has placed in, maybe write down a first name that God brings to mind this morning. Who is that person in your life in one of your circles that I just mentioned that you know that is there, that God wants you to take an active role in sharing with them the good news of Jesus Christ? I know that there are many roadblocks that we often run into. I'm going to talk about that piece just a little bit more tomorrow. A lot of roadblocks that oftentimes hold us back from sharing the gospel with others. But as you think about that, I want you to be encouraged by the number of testimonies you've heard in this church over the past months together. We've heard so many great uh, testimonies, people like Jake uh, Gulliver, who stood up here and shared with us about the Bible study that he is starting in his uh, place of work in order to uh, share the gospel. We hear from people like Kathy Douglas, who starts, started a Bible study in her own community because her desire is to build relationships so that she can share the gospel with other people. We've heard stories from people uh, like the Parises over the years who uh, went and did something that was very uncomfortable, doing a block party so that they could actually meet and develop relationships for the purpose of sharing the gospel. On and on and on, we have heard story of story of people taking steps to put themselves into position for God to use them. But one of the things that I find often happens when we do this is that we become discouraged if people don't respond quickly or if they don't respond at all. 
And I want to remind you of this one very important truth. Do not be discouraged by slow movement or even rejection. Because what God has called you to, as you join him in his mission of taking the good news of Jesus into this world, he's called you to be faithful. And he reminds you that he will take care of the rest in his time. He has called you to be faithful. And sometimes that means that you are merely going to plant seeds and somebody else will experience the fruit of someone coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Think of Pastor Adam's testimony up here just a few weeks ago of his friend in, ba- at the, uh, in the basketball things that they do. He has spent so much time, but God not only used Pastor Adam to plant seeds, but many other people to a place where his friend would profess his faith in Jesus Christ. God has called us to be faithful, and this is what we want to encourage as we develop God's heart for lost people. How is it that we as a church will continue to strategically encourage the reaching out of our pers- uh, to our personal neighbors? Number one, I recognize that some of the biggest roadblocks for anybody is feeling unprepared to either share the gospel and to be able to explain that from scripture, or maybe we feel uncomfortable even knowing how to articulate our own personal story of coming to faith in Jesus. Sometimes it's things like uh, apologetics, right? We don't know how to answer the hard questions that people have about the Christian faith, and so it's, those are roadblocks for us. One of the things that we are committed to as a church over these next five years is regularly teaching and providing opportunity for our church family to grow in the area of evangelism training, but also in the area of apologetics training, knowing how to share our faith, our story, the gospel, but also knowing how to answer difficult questions. Secondly, as well, we're going to continue to provide what we call various neighboring events. When you hear us articulate that we're going to have something we call a neighboring event, a neighboring event is an opportunity for you to think, this is a moment to think about the people that I've been trying to reach in the circle that God has given me to bring them to something at church that can either open up or continue conversations about faith in Jesus with the friends that God has given to me. We want to encourage this as a church family because we believe that the greatest impact that will be made for the gospel will happen when each of us as individuals takes responsibility for what God has called us to. Church family, develop the heart of God to reach the people he has brought into your circles. Number two, one of the ways that we see also that we believe, we desire that God would give us a heart for is number two, our Westgate Chapel neighbors, not just our personal neighbors, but our Westgate Chapel neighbors. And this is a great burden that I have carried and shared with you before. It was something that I heard as a middle school student in my church uh, in Long Beach, California, one morning when our pastor brought in a special speaker. And as he was sharing, he said something that has stuck with me, which to me is, is fantastically amazing because I'll tell you, when I was a middle school student and I was in church, I didn't pay attention to us thing. I can't remember nearly a word that anybody said to me. It didn't matter if it was my youth pastor. It didn't matter if it was my senior pastor. I was the kid causing trouble, laying down in the back row, snoring in the middle of the service, one of those things. But for some reason, God planted in my mind the words that this man spoke that morning, and I have never been able to forget them. And I've been thinking about that over this past week. I've been asking myself the question, God, did you plant this for a time such as this? That Westgate Chapel would hear your heart for reaching our community with the gospel. The question that this pastor asked was very simple. If your church disappeared tomorrow, would the community around you even know it? 
If all of us were gone and nothing was left but this building and people continue to drive by it every single day, would they even notice that we were gone? I asked you this same question almost exactly a year ago to the day. And after I did, I received an email from a first-time guest that next week who said these words to me. He said, as a first-time visitor, I wanted to take a moment and thank you. As you explored in your sermon, you asked whether Westgate would be missed if absent from the local ministry landscape. And until this morning, I would have said no. I'm the average suburbanite who's passed your church for years but never checked into it. However, I have found your church to be refreshing and impressive. And I look forward to many more fellowship opportunities together. You know, this email and others that I received like it confirmed something very important in my mind and in my heart. One, we have a very great thing going on here at Westgate Chapel. We have a group of people that really desire to, to know and to love God, to have a passion for his word and how his word transforms our hearts and our lives. I believe that we have a great commitment as well to making an impact in our community. We've had an impact for years in the city of Sylvania. We make great impact through various partnerships we have in different parts of the city, even with church plants in different parts of the city. But in the direct community that surrounds this church, if we were to draw a one to two mile radius around our church, we could be, if we were honest with ourselves, there has been a gap. All we are often known as is the big white round building that sits on the highway. I like to call it the spaceship. But we also have a life-changing message of hope to share with the community that sits around us. An incredible church family to go out and to share that message of God's love with other people. That's why I believe for us as a church family, especially in these next five years, that we understand it's vitally important that we begin to make inroads into this specific community that sits directly around Westgate Chapel. It's a diverse community, diverse economically, socially, racially. We literally sit on the crossroads of three cities of Sylvania, Springfield, and Toledo. And we want to begin making inroads in this community for the purpose of sharing God's love with others. And the thing that is driving, I believe, the heart of our leadership our elders, our staff, is that we are driven by a strategic focus of needing and wanting to develop long-term relationships with people in our community that will provide us the opportunity to reach more people with the gospel. A few of the ways that we're going to be doing this, and you can see this in the handout that I gave you in your worship guide this morning that looks like this is that we're going to be taking time over the next five years investing in, de in developing relationships with city leaders to understand needs and where we can make an impact by sharing God's love uh, clearly with others. We had an opportunity to have one of our Chamber of Commerce actually meet here on site this past week and begin developing those relationships. And it's an exciting thing that is happening. As well, we want to continue to partner with local school districts and elementary schools serving and meeting people's felt needs. You've heard uh, now for a time that we have already begun this process of developing those relationships. Some of you have actually participated in that, but we have ministry teams that are specifically focused on uh, uh, going and sharing God's love by serving and meeting uh, those needs in those specific places within our community. Number three, one of the things that we desire to do, hopefully within the next six months to a year, 
here is to launch a Moms with Preschoolers group. Westgate Chapel has actually had one of these uh, in the past uh, called Mops. When I first came to Westgate, it was a very thriving and vibrant ministry, not only meeting the needs of moms within our church, but I believe one of the things that was most incredible about it was that it was very focused on reaching lost people. People from the community that didn't know Jesus were coming to this group to find community and fellowship. As well, people from Westgate Chapel were inviting their friends who didn't know Jesus because there would be an opportunity for them to not only hear about Jesus, but to again, to continue to open up conversations. And I've been able to hear incredible stories from over the years of the number of people that actually came to Christ because of it. Did you know that there's actually a, a, a pastor, outreach pastor here in our community that came to faith in Jesus Christ because of our MOPS ministry? It's incredible when you think about it and when you hear about it. And fa church family, our desire in doing this is not only to meet a need for our church family, but to use this as a way to, again, continue to reach in our community and meet people that we normally wouldn't have contact with so that we can share God's love with them. Another opportunity is that of the potential of launching an early learning center here at Westgate Chapel. As our church over the last three years has done a lot of research about the community that surrounds us, not only do we see that we live in a, uh, a diverse place, but we see that one of the high needs is in the area of childcare, affordable childcare. And being a community where people can know that their children are being taken care of and taught, but also where they are safe. And this provides an opportunity for us, if we move into it, to continue to develop long-term relationships with people we normally wouldn't have touch with by meeting a very felt need and, and being able to share the love of Jesus with them. It's been identified as a big need in our community, but an opportunity for us to not only reach people with the gospel, to also partner with other people, um, other uh, partners that we have like the Pregnancy Center, who is constantly looking for places like this, specifically with churches, where they can take moms that have come and made the decision to keep their babies and to tell them we have a place for you to go so that your child can be taken care of. Another reason to give hope in their lives. Finally, number five, one of the other key strategic pieces that we want to do is the finishing of the refresh of this worship center. As we launch this vision in our unfinished initiative, you'll see some of the pictures that are up on the screen of the plans that have been made, uh, you know, and I'll talk a little bit more next week, is that with inf the inflation that has happened and a few other things that we have, uh, we are still in need of building resources to complete it, but we believe that it is important for us to do to create a, an environment that is welcoming and that is up to date for people to come in that they would come and find and follow Jesus Christ. There are a number of ways that we desire to reach out to our Westgate Chapel neighbors. What I want you to hear is that our desire is that God would give us a heart personally, individually, to reach our personal neighbors, to reach our Westgate Chapel neighbors, but also number three, that we would be doubly as passionate about reaching the nations. This is the DNA that God has given us as a church. And I believe that there is a future that God desires to do even greater things in this way. First and foremost, by launching of a residency program. We talked about this in the Unfinished Initiative as an update where we are at. We have got job descriptions, church profiles, everything that we need to launch the missions side of our residency program. We are simply looking for that couple that we can bring in, and when we find them, we are going to get started. But as well, we're going to begin, hopefully, with a pilot program of the ministerial side of raising up future pastors uh, within the next six months to a year that will allow us to test what we are going to do 
do so that we can launch into it wholeheartedly. We are very excited about this. We believe that it will be another great step into preparing people for a lifetime of ministry and continuing the call that God has put on this church. But also our desire is to engage more people in overseas missions within this body that we would all develop a heart for it. Julianne this morning was very, very articulate in sharing with us about our missions conference that is coming up. It is one of the key ways that we cast vision about what God has called us to by celebrating what God has done around the world. But most importantly, it should be a time where we prayerfully come before the Lord and say, Lord, how do you desire to develop my heart for people throughout this world that need to know your son, Jesus Christ? Maybe that means serving the nations here in our community. In a community where the nations are coming to us, there are many opportunities to share the good news of Jesus. Maybe that means going on a short-term mission trip and exploring how God could use you in that way. Maybe it has to do with increasing your giving to the Great Commission Fund, using the resources that God has given you in order to continue to further work to take the gospel to the unreached parts of this world. Or even maybe, just maybe, and this never gets said in churches, I feel like, anymore, But would you ever seriously, from youngest person in this room, children, youth, young adults, adults, seniors, would we ever just pause the plans that we have for our life and be willing to set before the Lord and say, God, would you send me? Is it your desire, Lord, to take my life and to use it to go out and to share the good news of the gospel with others? Sometimes I think we get so much wrapped up in our own plans that we forget that the very heart of God is to use us. And maybe that's simply just in our community, but often we close off asking the question. I've been told this, by the way, young people, I'm going to come straight at you this morning. I know I'm going over, but I want you to hear this. I've been told that the trend in our culture today is that young people don't want to commit to overseas missions because uh, our millennial generation, younger generation doesn't like to plan and commit to things long term. And I want to tell you, if that's the way that you think, it's wrong. Why? Because we should open up our hearts all the time to say, God, what is your plan and your will and your desire for my life? And how do you desire to use me? That can be short term. But would we be willing to say that maybe God has something even bigger for us? Seniors? Your time isn't done. Retirees, would you ever consider that maybe God's call on this part of your life is not to just sit back and enjoy the retirement, but to say maybe God wants to use everything he's given me to reach this stage of my life to now go out and be one who shares the good news of the gospel to the ends of the earth? Church, this is what it looks like to find the heart of God for lost people when we sink our roots into Christ and he so fills our hearts with his passion for lost people, our hearts can't help but bleed a desire to be a part of what he does. Maybe that will just be here in this community and in your circles. or Maybe it will be to the very edges of the earth. But would we be willing to go to him and say, Lord, will you use me no matter where it is that you desire for me to go? As we dream together, four things that we're trusting God for. One, 250 new households worshiping at Westgate Chapel from reaching our personal and Westgate neighbors. I have zero desire for this church to grow from transfer growth of some church exploding down the street and just showing up at Westgate. 
What I want is for us as a church to see growth taking place because we are doing our job of reaching lost people. Our desire over these next five years is to see 250 people who profess their faith in Jesus through baptism. That would be a strong growth from where we have been, but a picture for us that we are accomplishing the task that God has set before us. Number three, our desire also over these next five years is to complete the funding and renovation of this worship center so that it will last long into the future as a place where people feel welcome to come and to find and know God. And number four, our goal is to, re, is to have 10 residents that we launch in this five-year period into full-time ministry to continue the call that God has placed in our life. Deep Roots and Broad Reach, this is the vision that God is giving to us over these next five years. But here's the most important thing. If we don't share God's heart for lost people, we will never achieve this vision or this dream. We can only achieve the dream and develop God's heart for lost people when we commit ourselves to sinking deep roots into our relationship with God and also with each other. So my question for you this morning is, will you do just that and join us in the vision that God is giving us as a church? Father, I thank you for the time that we've had together in your word this morning. And my prayer is very simple. Lord, would you stir within our hearts a hunger to go deeper with you? That, Father, we would commit more of our hearts and more of our lives to you. That, Father, we would truly abide with you. That, Lord, as we do, you would transform our hearts to be moved by the mission that you are on to reach lost people. And as we sink down our roots into our relationship with you and our relationship with each other, Father, I pray that in this church for every single individual and collectively together, that you would, Father, from that, bring about a very broad reach in our circles, in our community, and to the edges of this earth of reaching more people with the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. May it be done according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen.
Let's give God glory this morning, would you? As 
As we close our service this morning, a reminder to you that our prayer team is over here in the front and would love the opportunity to pray with you this morning, uh, whether that be here in this room or we can even take you over to the prayer room. If you have any needs, needs for healing, things that God has been working on in your life, you just want to share it and pray with somebody today. I know that they would love that opportunity to pray with you, and so please be sure to stop by. And as we go this morning, uh, can I just encourage you with this? Take that penny. Do you got that penny? Is it anywhere close by? Take a look at it for a second. Do me a favor this week. Increase the value of this coin. Can you do that? It doesn't look very special, but the way that you increase this value is by putting it somewhere where it will be a reminder to you of the incredible value that God has for you and for all us people. And to be a reminder to you that his greatest desire is that you would share that same heart and then go and share the good news of his son with other people. Tape it to a mirror, tape it to your car, anywhere that you'll see it. And when you see it, remember to pray and say, God, transform my heart, that my heart would beat in the same way that yours does for people that don't know you. And then trust him to use you. God bless your church family. Have a great week serving the Lord.